0: Just a quick point on bad thoughts. According to one opinion, what does it mean by you'll be taken to task for your thoughts? Aisha radiallahu anha reports whenever somebody discusses something in their own mind of any evil, the way that will be reckoned for by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if he is gonna reckon for it, right, will be that you will be for every bad thought that you have in your mind, you will be given some kind of sadness. And grief is going to overtake you for every bad thought you allow in your, you, you, you indulge in your mind, even if you don't do it. If we want to stay away from sadness, then stop thinking evil. Yes, evil thoughts might come in our mind. Don't engage them. If you engage them, you're going to be punished by a sadness in this world. الله حمد كثير طيب مبارك فيه مبارك عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه إلى يوم الدين أما بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لله ما في السماوات وما في الارض وان تبدوا ما في انفسكم او تخفوه يحاسبكم به الله فيغفر ويعذب يشاء على كل شيء قدير broadly speaking uh, if you want to look at this in detail, there are five levels of thought that come into somebody's mind. Hajis, uh, in Arabic they call Hajis, Khatir, Hadithun Nafs, Ham, and Azr. Hajis, I would translate as a fleeting thought. You know, you get these thoughts, it just pops in your mind, you don't interact with it, it doesn't even stay, and it goes. There's constantly our mind is open to thoughts In Salat, wherever we are, there's just constant thoughts We might be engaged in something There's another thought that will come in mind But because so engaged, it will go away That's a fleeting thought It's just literally a second or so You don't engage it, it doesn't linger It just goes uh, The second type is where a thought comes in And it lingers for a while So it's the lingering thought But you don't interact with it It's there for a while, but you're too occupied to even think It's in the back of your mind or something But you didn't really engage it that's number two. Number three, a thought came in, it lingered, and you engage. Should I do that or not? That's a good idea, or that's a bad idea. Should I? Should I not? Oh, that's haram. Or maybe I've got this leeway. Maybe I've got this excuse. Uh, maybe nobody will see, right? Maybe I'll be forgiven, uh, or. Should I give this donation or not? A thought came in your mind. You should give this donation. Should I? Um, it's a lot of money. Uh, shaitan, You know, the, all of this. These are. This is what you call hadith or nafs where you're speaking to yourself. It's a discourse with yourself. Right? So this is when you're discuss, discussing with yourself. Those two minds. The two voices in your mind. All three of these if you're discussing a bad thing in your mind, I should do that tomorrow. I should call her up. I should do this. I should do that. You're not sinful for any of these. The, the, the fleeting, the lingering, and now the interactive so- thought? No, no, nothing. Okay, what's the next stage? The next stage is that you kept thinking and discussing and then you incline towards the idea. Yes, I should do it. After the discussion going back and forth, you said, Yes, I'm going to do it. You call that now hum. That's called hum in Arabic. Like you decided, not decided, but you're inclined towards doing it now. You're not fully resolved yet. Now you've inclined. Again, Allah says, We're going to forgive you. The Prophet said, That's going to be forgiven as well. Even though you're inclined, because you haven't done it yet. However, the next stage then is. You resolve to do it. Yes, I'm going to do it. You put the plans in action, whatever. Yes, I'm going to do it, and you plan it. That's called azam, full resolve to do something. That's where some scholars say, you are accountable for that now. And others say, you're even forgiven for that. Now, there's a bit of detail here. We can't go into that much detail right now. But it's a bit of detail because there's some bad acts which are literally based on thought. They are, as soon as you go to the hum stage, you're going to be in trouble with that, or definitely at the azam stage, which is, for example, to think of kufr. I don't really want to believe. Why do I believe? But there's this question, and there's Dawkins says this, and so and so says this, and there's this argument can't really be a god, and whatever. That's hadith and nafs. And then if you decide that, yeah, there can't be a god, there is no god, that's kufr. You never said it outside. You haven't said anything. You could still be showing yourself as a believer. But that's kufr. So some things by the nature of which the action is a thought anyway. That is what it is. Kufr is a thought. It's just you express it. But iman is an idea in the heart. It's from the heart. We just express our iman for others to know. right? And for us to do what we need to do. That would definitely be the case. But if it's the scholars who say uh, we forgive, that this is forgiven as well. is like, for example, you decided to do zina tomorrow. A person decided that tomorrow he's going to go to a club, right? He's been there before, it's all organized. So he decided to go, called up his friend, we're going to go tomorrow. His friend's going to come and pick it up. He doesn't have a car, that's why. And it's too much of a hassle to go in a bus. So his friend's going to pick him up. Next day, his friend's car breaks down, so his friend calls him last minute, sorry, we can't go, my car's broken. Is he sinful now? According to those who say yes, then they are sinful. He's sinful, but only sin for resolve to do it. Had he gone, that would have been a bigger sin, obviously. That would have been a bigger sin, but he's still... And the others, they say, no, he's not sinful. I go with the opinion that he is sinful because you've made a full resolve to do so. You've put plan in action, and you did something of that nature. But then, of course, you can seek forgiveness. So, that's what this discussion is about. So... Now let's look at this again. This surah, which is Suratul Baqarah, Allah it's the longest surah in the world, as you know. Uh, it's the longest surah in the Quran and the longest surah in the world. You know why am I thinking of the world today? But Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, if you go, if you start from the beginning, uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala discusses Tauhid, oneness of Allah, prophet, prophecy, and he discusses a number of other principles. There's lots of things that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala discusses in this surah. He discusses. Zakat and salat and qisas and fasting and hajj and jihad and hayd and talaq and iddah and uh, lots of things right Allah why does he end this surah with such prominent verses about lillahi ma samawati wa ma fil ard so Allah wants to bring the point home that after all of this remember the reason for all of this is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the kingdom of Everything and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Has the perfection of everything Now if you look at Anybody and they have characteristics so Somebody is a really good painter Somebody is a really good speaker Somebody has a lot of knowledge Somebody has a lot of power Now imagine it Out of all characteristics that anyone Can have which Characteristics do you think are the most Fundamental characteristics that even The others rely on That other characteristics rely on One is power and knowledge. Knowledge and power, they are the most important characteristics that anybody can have. Because with knowledge and power, then you can design well if you're a designer. Then you can speak well, because you need power for that, you need knowledge. Knowledge and power are at the back of everything, they are the foundational characteristics of everything. So in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks just about those two characteristics. So by saying, وَلِلَّهِ مَا ard Allah is saying, I've got mulk and milk. Basically, I've got sovereignty and kingdom and ownership of all of this. Which essentially is understood as him having power of, of creating all of this and thus controlling all of it. Nourishing all of it, and he has control. So that is his absolute power is understood from Now there's knowledge now. Although knowledge comes in there, because how would you create all of this without knowledge? But Allah makes it clear by saying the next verse. If you reveal which is in your heart, or you keep it uh, concealed, Allah knows it. That talks about his absolute knowledge. So absolute knowledge, absolute power. That's what we understand from that. Now, if anyone, usually, if you've got anyone in the world among your friends or your local imams or uh, scholars or people, right? As soon as a person has full control and full knowledge, then usually they gain a lot of respect. The one with the greater knowledge and greater power, they have more respect. Right? So, that means that everything besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the heavens and the earth must be The creation of Allah and must be those that are nourished by Allah and cherished by Allah and looked after by Allah and cared for by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the conclusion we should reach by this. If you really think about it, that there's nobody else we can go to and it's only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we can do that. uh, We can go for. Um, Just a quick point on bad thoughts. According to one opinion... What does it mean by you'll be taken to task for your thoughts? Aisha radiallahu anha reports that whenever somebody discusses something in their own mind of any evil, the way that will be reckoned for by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if He is going to reckon for it, right, will be that you will be, for every bad thought that you have in your mind, you will be given a sadness some kind of sadness and grief is going to overtake you for every bad thought you allow in your, you, you, you indulge in your mind, even if you don't do it. So, if we want to stay away from sadness, then stop thinking evil. Yes, evil thoughts might come in our mind. Don't engage them. If you engage them, you're going to be punished by a sadness in this world which is still good they say the hadith says the aisha radiallahu anha said in the dunya that's going to happen with either some kind of huzn or adhan or it could be some other kind of pain but when the akhirah comes lam yusalan you're not going to be questioned about this so that's it's expiation in the world the sadnesses of the world but you don't want that sadness of the world so just stop indulging in bad walam yu'aqab Ali. so it's related that she asked the Prophet ﷺ about this verse and this is the response she had gotten so that's what she was uh, revealing about this. So our time is up. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has said in the next part of this verse Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says Allah will forgive to whomever, for whomever he wishes and Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will punish whomever he wishes. That's a warning. After knowing about Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and that He's in control of everything, just to get us straight. That's why this verse, Rasulu bima unzila ilayhi min The Prophet is mentioned as believing in this to show us that if the Prophet believes in, if it's good enough for the Prophet, why isn't it good enough for you? I mean, it's not about being good enough for the Prophet in the way the Prophet's iman is. Sallallahu is very different from our iman. The Prophet knows about what Allah has revealed and what He wants much more in depth and in the most subtle and most complicated and delicate and sophisticated way than we know. That's the Prophet iman, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Then says, so the main lesson from this uh, that I the, the, that I found most useful for myself was the fact that whenever you come across any hardship, do what the Sahaba did, and ponder this verse that Allah. Cancel this hukm, cancel this ruling of taking us to account for our thoughts because of the way we responded. So we, inshallah, if we respond to any different saying, we believe in Allah, we're going to try to do this. Yes, we might be weak. Oh Allah, forgive us for our weaknesses, our mistakes, our discrepancies and our defects, but we're going to do it and we're going to make uh, istighfar for whatever we do wrong and Allah will make it easy for us and he'll accept it that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy he is the owner he can punish us if he wants to but uh, he has given us a way out so amanna sami'na wa ata'na ghufranak rabbana wa ilaykal maseer may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. Allahumma antas salam wa minkas salam tabarak ya jalali wal Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika اللهم Allahumma ya يَا ya لَا la ilaha illa anta كُنَّا مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ Ya Allah this is the month of your mercy and your forgiveness and your generosity and your kindness. Oh Allah we ask you for all of these things and more. Oh Allah we don't have much to show but we're making an effort. We're sitting in the masjid, we're listening to this. Oh Allah we're studying, we we are reading. Oh Allah we are fasting. Oh Allah we are standing. O oh Allah, accept these things, however defective they are, however weak they are, however full of holes it may be. O oh Allah, we ask you for completeness. O oh Allah, we ask you from your completeness. We ask you from your love. O oh Allah, we ask that you bless us all. O oh Allah, you bless us all during this month. You drench us in your mercy and you drench us in your rahmah. O oh Allah, we ask that you make this Ramadan better than any before it. O oh Allah, that you give us an understanding of your words. That you give us an understanding of your Quran. You illuminate us with the Quran. You inspire us with the Qur'an. You elevate us with the Qur'an. Oh Allah, you bring us closer to you with the Qur'an. Oh Allah, allow us to read the Qur'an, to teach the Qur'an, to defend the Qur'an, to uh, serve the Qur'an. Oh Allah, oh Allah, oh Allah, grant us the light of the Qur'an, the blessings of the Qur'an, the mercy of the Qur'an. O oh Allah, we ask that you make it an intercessor, intercessor for us in the hereafter. O oh Allah, bless this masjid and all the masajid. O oh Allah, all the work that needs to be done, construction work that needs to be done. O oh Allah, allow that to happen. Remove the obstacles. And O oh Allah, bless all of those who give any kind of khidma, any kind of contribution to the masjid. And may, us, may Allah accept all of us for the contribution to his deen in whatever way it may be. Allah accept from us. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. wa al-mursaleen. wa Alhamdulillah. Uh, The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, And that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially for example the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshaAllah, you will have gotten the the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident You don't have to leave lectures behind you can continue to leave uh, you know to listen to lectures But you need to have this more sustained study as well Jazakallah khairan as assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh